Welcome, welcome. This is another special edition of the Simply King podcast. This is another volume, another edition of the Gumbo Series episodes. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. I enjoy creating it. For everyone who is listening, you can now purchase the Gumbo magazine at gumbomedia.com forward slash magazine. You don't want to miss this. You don't want to be the one who doesn't have a copy and can't be a part of the conversation. So go get you some gumbo. All right. This is the Simply King podcast. Let's listen. I got angels running away. I got demons hunting me. I know pop with 25. I know Jesus 33. I tell death to keep a distance. I think he obsessed with me. I say, God, that's the one. I know she would die for me. They want a barcode on my wrist. To auction off the kids that don't fit that description. Welcome, welcome. This is the Simply King Podcast. And it's your boy Rodney Perry King himself. And you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being humans. And I have, yet again, some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful black people who given me some of their time to come and talk to me about something that they all have in common. This, I guess, you know, I, I, in my head, I think of it to be so many different things, you know? You can, I feel like you can attach a lot of different things because they do so much. And they haven't boxed themselves in. I, but I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna just go ahead and stop talking and give them the floor and make more time for them to speak about the thing that they all had that brought them together and that being gumbo media today i have with me matthew and kiani and i hope you guys really truly enjoy this episode how y'all feeling feeling good what's up what's up i'm good feeling good. great i'm feeling great um if you don't know this is the soulfully conscious podcast for humans simply being humans and i'm so glad that i'm bringing that i'm bringing in yet again two more for some reason i wanted to call you guys employees or members what is the best way to describe what you would call i guess people who are a part of the staff the crew what would you say it's a good question Uh, (laughs) because i mean we usually just say like the gumbo team or the gumbo fan okay gumbo team gumbo fan i like that because like when you know we're not employees in the like literal sense, and yeah. none of us are taking in salaries or anything yeah. like that. We're still doing this largely driven off, um, off passion, I guess you could say, but also you know other types of incentives and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's it feels more like a family. Like we really pride ourselves on that type of culture. So yeah. I think Gumbo Fam is probably the the best. Way I like to frame. that. I like that. Oh, I got some you know some brothers and sisters from the family up in here from Gumbo. <laughs> And I don't know why I thought about that today, but um, I'll, I'll first off want to start off with the first and I think also most important question being to speak about who you guys are. Mm-hmm. So I start off with you, Kiani. I would love for you to tell the people who you are and I guess what role you play within Gumbo. Okay, uh, I'm Kiani. Hello. Uh, I'm a recent graduate from SAAC, the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm primarily a photographer, but you know I consider myself to be a photographic artist because I branch into different mediums, but it's all image-based and um, yeah, conceptual art is my passion. I mm. intern at Latitude Chicago, which is a print lab here in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do DIY printing or you can use our service bureau. But I also do a lot of creative direction work and just freelance art stuff. Um, like that's my passion. That's my life. My life's purpose so far. Um, but then Gumbo, I started off doing um, just helping with distribution, um, helping get different contacts involved, and you know thinking of different ideas that would best push the magazine forward. Um, 
Yeah. How'd you find Gumbo? How did I find Gumbo? Um, Instagram. Okay. Instagram. I found you guys through Instagram, definitely. Um, I think they had an open call for the submissions for the magazine, and I heard about it that way. And yeah. ever since I heard about it, it was a team and a family that I wanted to be a part of. So yeah. I was just, I kept contacting them, and eventually they had a space for me, and I jumped in. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Y'all, y'all are so organic. What about, <laughs> what about, what about you, Matthew? Yeah, so um, name is Matthew. I'm one of the founders of Gumbo. Um, been with the vision from its from its very inception in a car ride. I <laughs> went back from a wedding um, yeah. back in uh, fall 2016 is when we kind of first came up with the concept. So um, I've played all sorts of roles, wore you know worn all sorts of hats. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, I've been kind of the creative director yeah. uh, for. The better part of the last, you know, two years, especially um, um, Courtney, my co-founder and also life partner, um, has very equally been wearing that same hat um, alongside me. So we've kind of collectively thought through all elements of how we're growing the business, the the operations. How do we optimize this? You know, yeah. Um, and then also just the programs. How do we expand this? How do we get out into the community? All that type of stuff. So. Um, I mean, really, our role is co-founder, right? Yeah. It's what does it mean to start at point A and somehow get to point Z? Yes. Uh, or not Z. We never want to end, you know. But um, but how do we how do we get to the next level and the next level and the next level yeah. and start that from nothing? And so our role essentially is is that it's just uh, innovating new ways forward. Mm. I love that you know the way that you've paired everybody up, like. I believe that you guys have a great sense of who each other are, you know, who each other's personality is and um, and kind of what you all bring based off the roles and all these different things. And I've truly enjoyed the conversations that I've had with each other. And I think it's interesting, you know, how you've paired, how you guys thought to pair, you know, Keani with Matthew. And is there was there any um, thought in that? Because you, you say you were new. You say you were there from the start. Mm-hmm. How does it feel? I guess. I guess. What was what was the thought? Was that intentional? or Was that kind of you know the luck of the draw? I think it was intentional. Um, we had a conversation as a team. Um, let me know if you feel any differently about this, uh, Kiani. But we had a conversation as a team about what pairings would make sense. So we were very intentional about it. It I wasn't love that. you know it wasn't like we pulled straws or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and it was it was kind of trying to assess the way people had been working. So it was organic in that regard. It was about like, how have people been working together? Who has been communicating about what? What would be some interesting balances? Yeah. Um, so Amir and Zay made sense as just a friendship. You yeah. know, they have similar passions. They're kindred spirits in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and, I, I noticed. Uh, and they brought, they brought great energy to the team in similar ways, right? Yeah. So it just made sense. Um, but also have a lot of tenure and a lot of kind of professional capabilities in terms of speaking about and talking about different dimensions of gumbo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, Courtney and Austin and Chrissy, that made a lot of sense because they've been our social team. Mm-hmm. But they also come from three different, enti- three entirely different skill sets. Yeah. So being able to talk about the same kind of pulse of content, of storytelling, but yeah. from three different perspectives feels yeah. really cool. It feels like a good opportunity. In this case, with Kiani and myself, it's, definitely the biggest disparity in terms of uh like tenure at gumbo yeah. like the very beginning and like the most recent well not anymore but mm-hmm. uh one of the more recent um mm-hmm. additions to to the fam to the team um 
but then also the connection to the magazine. Oh, I think yeah. we're both driven by creative passions and and um, yeah. And and I want to you know let's let's definitely shell the magazine because I definitely want to speak more because of the role that you guys play in both in in terms of the magazine and bringing that into you know actualizing that idea. I do want to know you know. I love how there's this interesting sense or handle on intention with Gumbo. I believe that you all seem to nat- have found some natural rhythm to kind of move with everything with intention. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you? Is that something that you guys had to craft as a part of the culture of Gumbo, or what, do you feel like that was something that? Uh, and to Keanu to specify this, is that something you noticed when you first joined the team after a while? But um, I guess those are two separate questions in a way. Like, is that something that was intentionally crafted? And was that something that you noticed even coming in? It was definitely intentionally crafted, I think, because the mission of Gumbo, at its surface, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's I think it's very clear. And I think people understand it. it I mean, just expanding the narrative of black life. right? Yeah. Like it's. And we do it through the, these pillars, yeah. uh, which you said everybody's kind of mentioned organically in the past. Um, mm hmm. And so I think I think that's kind of the baseline. But if you dig deeper, our goal was always to be unique and to be different. Yeah. Um, and so um, I think we've had intention from from jump because of that. And specifically, we wanted to be different when we think about how media is shared and how you know media is specifically around Black people is kind of depicted mm-hmm. um, historically up till even through now, but up until especially recently, um, there were really only two narratives that ever existed, yeah. uh, or at least on, you know, in a very public and consistent way, which are celebrity narratives and kind of entertainment-driven stories, and then like all the stereotypes and monoliths around black people, black community, yeah. black culture, black business, whatever. And both of them are extremes, um, and most people live somewhere in between, yeah. uh, if not all. Yes. And so... Um, our whole intention was to say, okay, a lot of media is leaning into one extreme or another. Um, uh, one of them is quite toxic, especially the stere- you know the stereotype side. The other one isn't necessarily toxic, um, and it's not all bad by any stretch. Like those, I take a lot of inspiration from influential people that we're learning about and those you know things that we read in magazines and stuff mm-hmm. all the time. But it's the same stories over yeah. and over again. It's the same 200 things circulating. Right. So from that perspective, it was we were always intentional about how do we tell stories and how do we present ourselves differently. Yeah. And so that's why if you go through our feed on social media, if you go through our content in the magazine, you're going to be really hard-pressed to find anybody that looks familiar, at least from a, like an influencer and or celebrity point of view it's all kind of everyday stories of everyday people and finding unique ways to tell those stories and so in that way we were always intentional about being different and um, and that's had its positives and its negatives ultimately all of them are positives but it's meant also a little bit more uh, you know there's a reason celebrities you know are everywhere it's because they they perform well in in sales and people are drawn to their stories and stuff Mm -hmm. so it's it's meant a little bit slower growth it's meant more being more patient with ourselves it's meant being more innovative in other ways to get people to buy in, like to things like the magazine, but but yeah, that intention's definitely always been there. Um, mm. So I don't know, is that something you've you felt or? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's another reason why I wanted to get so involved with um, everything that we're doing. Um, when I was going through the Instagram, um, like I scrolled through the entire feed, I clicked on all the links, I looked at every single post, and you can just see 
the intention with every single post that, that's there. Like yeah. um, the the people who they were interviewing, the people that they were partnering with, they were people and voices that you don't traditionally get to hear, yeah. um, like in those two different forms of media that Matthew was talking about. Um, and I thought that was really beautiful. And as somebody who was coming from a fine art school um, that's like majority, uh, predominantly white students um, and a white curriculum as well, it was something that I wish I had. Mm-hmm. But when I was in school, and I wish it was yeah. something that's, you know, been around for years, that so there was more um, to, like, dig through the archive. But I love that it's starting now and that, you know, in 20 years, like, somebody who is in the position that I was in will have this. Yeah. Like, I think it's really beautiful in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you said that about, like, the 20 years thing. Because mm-hmm. in several conversations that I had, I was, I kind of um, made the... Um, the comparison to like Ebony and Jet, mm-hmm. because I, I, when I was so taken back when I found out about you know like how the archive was kind of you know up for auction and mm-hmm. all these different things and it finding out you know how much was done past like past the magazine, you know being the events, being the community service and the community engagement that Ebony did being right there in the middle of Chicago right there off of Michigan Avenue being truly a pillar of, you know, the black community, you know, globally. And right. I think um, to, I had to make that just position because I'm like, it seemed like they were trying to truly capture the tone and the energies and highlight the things that weren't being highlighted. Mm-hmm. We're gonna put people on the cover and highlight the people who should get their flowers and who should be mm-hmm. kind of lifted up. And I feel like seeing, um, I love how you guys approached it in a very modern way. Just seeing the cover of the magazine itself mm-hmm felt so modern and I remember um telling them it, it gave me real strong like awaken my love vibes you know hmm. and in terms of like the same similar um, a similar uh, energy yeah and um and I think that's I don't know I think that's key that it was like damn I got this connection I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it I'm feeling a lot of ways about this and I haven't even read it yet and so it almost makes it this you know this pristine prototype example of something that you want to just keep collect and um and keep expecting yeah. So it's kind of like you read this and you're so captured by it. People are going to want to keep having this. People are going to want to keep buying this for years and years and years to be able to collect these and talk about these and, you know, truly pass them around too. So I really love that you guys have put so much energy into doing this one project um, specifically and truly expanded <laughs> what is quote-unquote gumbo media and mm-hmm. y'all are tapping into all parts of it. I do want to know, because, you know, when you speak about intention, the, you know, the thoughts of purpose comes to mind as well. Mm-hmm. And I would love to know, you know, what are your own personal ideals or your personal um, feelings about purpose? Is that something that you think about often in your life? You know, I feel like, you know, anytime we're in our people in our mid-20s to almost 30s, we often go through quarter-life crisis. We often go through and rethink our lives and think if we've done the right thing, have we been you know, truly ordering our steps to where we should be doing because the intangible feeling that we should be doing something kind of comes over everybody at some point. What do you feel about, I guess, what are your feelings about purpose from a personal perspective? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready, I'm ready. Go for it. Purpose, I think, has been, like, if I had to break down the last 10 years of my life, Yeah. And I'm, I just turned 29 in October. Huh. Um, so basically my entire adult life yeah. so far. Um, one of the, you know, 
top three or four values would be purpose mm. for me. Um, and I think a reason for that is because I don't, I don't know why, but I like I've I've never, I've always felt compelled to, um, to do things that felt like they made an impact and yeah. that really made a difference. Yeah. Um, and everything everything has its purpose, right? Yeah. But, uh, but specifically for me, on the lives of human beings and on community, on real authentic connection. Um, the things that felt pressing in society. Like, I love innovating with people, yeah. collaborating with people to tackle big issues, mm-hmm. um, and just going there, you know, daring to dream big. Yeah. And for me, that's always been a conversation of purpose. And so, um, as a freshman in college at DePaul, I actually started a nonprofit mm. uh, about two months into my schooling there. It was, uh, see if I can remember, I think it was October 14th, mm. 2009. Um, it was a Wednesday night. I was doing, I think it was Wednesday. Um, but instead of doing my homework, I stayed up. I had this idea because i just come from um, uh, spending six, seven weeks in Ghana, in a mm. northeastern village in Ghana, uh, for the entire experience before, my entire summer before college, right after college graduation or high school graduation. And it really transformed me. And I was in a place of kind of dark uh, mental health at the time. And uh, like in the midst of you know what would eventually become like 12 years of you know clinical depression mm. um, that I'm thankfully kind of through now but uh, at the time all I really wanted to do was connect with people in a real way yeah. and so having that experience and then coming to school and being like okay but I'm still not happy but now I know that I should be so it's almost even a, an even darker place because yeah. now you have the awareness of where you should yeah. be but yeah. it's not an on and off switch right yeah. mental health is a deep thing and so yeah. Um, that was a dichotomy that was really difficult for me to balance. And the only way through that for me, the only way through that, the only thing that took away those emotionally manifesting, like physical pains in my body, uh, was diving into service. Mm. Um, and so turns out I was pretty good at leadership. I don't know if leadership is like a, you know, a skill set, uh, or not, or if it's just something that's earned, but, um, but I definitely, though I had some natural tendencies and that I was I was very comfortable building yeah. community. I loved to do it. I was good at bringing people together. And so I started diving into all these different community organizations at school as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, and by sophomore year, I was like in leadership in like four or five different community organizations. Yeah. And I was involved in, you know, uh, like almost a dozen different groups to the point where by junior year I burnt myself out and I had to scale back completely and just pick a couple. <laughs> um, but I was, I was diving thing. in that hard because it was the only thing that was relieving the pain that I was feeling, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I mentioned all of that. This is long-winded, I know, but oh, no, you I mentioned time. all of that <laughs> to say that like purpose since that point has been, has been people, has been doing what makes my heart, you know, come most alive. And and for me, that was always some form of service or some form of uh, community activity. And so mm-hmm. I would just kind of follow that trajectory. You know, I was in school for architecture. I did uh, history of art and architecture. I eventually went to architecture school, or not school, but uh, a firm where I got to work at a like beautiful headquartered office and was building all these models and working with um, uh, like architectural models and working with all the different impressive architects and engineers and stuff. And after a year, you know, of what seemed like it was my entire career path was set if I wanted it to be I could have stayed there for the rest of my career Mm -hmm. Uh, but I just wasn't it wasn't for me you know it was cool it was amazing but it Mm -hmm. wasn't it wasn't for me and so I left to make zero money doing a nonprofit, um, which was really 
naive looking back, but what that tells me is my passion and my heart has always been aligned with what yeah. uh, what makes what what has purpose for me. Yeah. Um, not necessarily what makes the most money, what's yeah. even the smartest. Um, and looking back, I, I would have been a little bit wiser about when I made some of those moves. Yeah. But I don't regret any single one of them for because sure. it's what's led me here. And yeah. so purpose for me has been everything. And I wouldn't be an entrepreneur if it wasn't for the purpose that I that I feel like drives me. Yeah. Um, gumbo. Uh, I mean, I can't say it wouldn't have started. Maybe Courtney would have, but um, <laughs> you know, I probably wouldn't have been compelled to start it if I was doing something else. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't so, have the time. Right. Exactly. So I, you know, I've as many times as I've pushed back and forth with myself, as many times as I've doubted the decisions that I've made, the steps that I've taken, I feel like, you know, I'm not making enough money at certain points in my life based on my age and where my friends are and stuff like that. I have to remind myself that like, at the end of the day, I'm going to sleep and waking up doing exactly what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And that's a blessing uh, a lot of people don't have. Um, And so I feel really fortunate for that. And, um, and that's, that's, I think, you know, I think purpose for that because I've, I feel really, I feel like it's a privilege we don't talk enough about, but yeah. I've had the privilege to have a lot of clarity for whatever reason um, to understand exactly what I want to do when I want to do it. Damn. And, and also uh, to give myself a little bit of credit at least, also the courage to pursue it. Yeah. Um, despite coming from, you know, not a lot of resources to pursue those things. I certainly had some privileges, but didn't have a lot of money growing up, you know, um, all all roads pointed to those paths being a failure for me, you know, um, but I just, I, I kept with it and I've done yeah. that for 10 years and I feel like I'm just now mm. gaining my traction. And so, uh, yeah. so that, that has to be purpose. I don't know what else that would come from. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. that, sorry, that was long, but that no, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to ever shade the, the length. Mm-hmm. I am the Mr. Long Wendy. It's my middle <laughs> name. But for, for you, Kiani, I guess same, same question in terms of how, what do you? What are your feelings about purpose? Mm-hmm. Well, I think mine are gonna be a lot different than Matthew's. Like, um, for one, I'm like 22. I'll be 23. Go ahead. Summer, so, I I'm still figuring out what purpose means to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think coming out of um, school yeah. and being out of school for like almost a year now, I'm starting to realize that. For me, purpose is about alignment. Like, yeah. what feels right. Yeah. I feel like if anything isn't align with your your path then it just won't sit right with you and that's how you know what your purpose is Mm -hmm. because you'll just feel a lot of internal resistance like why isn't this working for me why am I running into so many problems Mm -hmm. and it's because you're not doing what your true purpose is meant to be and you can have multiple purposes but it's like ultimately like you'll know deep down yes whatever your purpose is even if you don't know what it is or you think you don't know like the universe will tell you. Yeah. That's how I feel. I love yeah. that. Do you think awareness, because that's what it sounds like you're describing, mm-hmm. do you think that's always been with you or something that you kind of gained either post-grad or, mm-hmm. I guess, before, or while you were still an undergrad? I feel like I always had it. I just didn't know what it was. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like um, even when you're, like, in school and you're picking out what courses to take, like, yeah. you end up curating your own sort of purpose, like, yeah. what your interests are, and yeah. that ends up driving you forward. Mm-hmm. But you don't know it in the moment. Like, afterwards, when you're able to reflect and you have a little bit more maturity, you're like, oh, so th- those are the decisions that I was making. Like, yeah. just sort of, like, leading myself towards my greater purpose. Yeah. Because yeah. I think to go into anything, especially even going to art school as a whole, I think, you know, 
it's always seen outside looking in like, oh, damn, you signed up to be starving <laughs> artist or whatever, yeah. whatever. Or if anything, being this kind of corporate um, creative to a certain yeah, degree, yeah, which um, com- which comes with its uh, disadvantages and advantages. Mm-hmm. You kind of are in the you're using the tools that you love to do, mm-hmm. but maybe what you're doing with them really don't fill you up. Right. I guess um, post-grad for you, how did you feel about, you know, kind of coming into the world and kind of in the real world hitting you in the face and realizing like damn you know because I do believe there is a such thing as you know the kind of like the post-grad blues and that kind of feeling of reassessment (laughs) um I feel like I'm you know in my kind of uh I don't even know what to call it like my fourth cycle of it in a way Mm -hmm. um just because I've been out just a little bit longer but it's still I I still kind of reassess so many different things and think Mm -hmm. back like damn did I you know, what made me choose this? Why did I continue to do this or right. whatever? Do you ever have those feelings, especially being the things that you studied and the things you committed yourself to? Yeah, um, absolutely. I feel like um, I'm getting past sort of those like post-graduation blues, which, That's is, good. Really, which is good. That's good. I'm feeling good. I'm going to like take it and run with it. Some people but stay in it for a long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for a while because um, I wasn't able to immediately find like a career job in my field because... Um, one, it's really hard. There are like, especially in Chicago, there are so many creatives, yeah. um, and things that felt aligned with my purpose weren't immediately coming to me, yeah. or they weren't ones that would support me in the way that I would want to be supported. Do yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. as far as financial things go, but that's when purpose sort of like feeds you. You're like, okay, I might struggle for a little bit, but I know I'm ultimately aligned with my purpose. Yeah, yeah. Like I do, like I said, I do a lot of freelance stuff, and that's what sort of feeds me that's what keeps me going that's why I wake up every day um so even if I have to take a part-time job that's not um in my career it's or in my you know my career field like what I'm passionate about it's like that's supporting me while I can continue to do my passion yeah yeah it's interesting how like struggle and like not compromising it's all it's kind of comfortable in a way yeah like you find some sense of like well I got something to do you know but also like I'm glad I didn't do the thing I really didn't want to do Absolutely. You know, even though it, I, it may have came with a paycheck, came with these benefits and certain energies, mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't do it. Yeah. And especially the first, I think for me, the first time you get any sign of like, damn, this work that I just put in, I finally got something back from it. Yeah. And you may not even expect it to get it back either possibly later or you got it sooner than you thought. And you're just like, damn, okay, cool. I'm going to keep on struggling and keep on just staying on my grind. and. Exactly. I'm a, I know I'm not I'm not going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a beautiful thing to experience. Um, and I think that's something that we all, um, I think we often are kind of almost trained to put it off. Mm-hmm. We're almost trained to do whatever you can to skip that step mm-hmm. in your own development. You know, our parents, I feel like, have at least you know, all most of Generation X, I think, kind of pushed the sense of like, you know, I don't want you to go through what I went through. Right. I don't want you to say in the third. But it's like, you didn't choose to go through some of that stuff. Right. Some of that stuff just came to you. Some of the stuff is literally just life. Yeah. Um, and especially when you got black skin, it's kind of like, shit, I wish I could turn certain things off. I wish I can like do everything I was supposed to do. And that is my ticket out. That is my, you know, my golden ticket to whatever uh, uh, personal freedom. That whatever that looks like for you. And I don't know, I guess I think about that all the damn time. Mm-hmm. Even moving here, like moving to Chicago was such a um, a leap of faith, you know? And because um, I was moving here for opportunity, I was moving here for love, I was moving here for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I was in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna make this work. 
I got to bet on myself. I got to just believe that I'm talented enough to make shit shake, <laughs> you know? And um, it's a scary-ass thing, though. But I think, you know, it's a reason for it. I think um, I'm so glad that you mentioned, you know, speaking about your, you know, your, your battles and your struggles with mental health. Mm-hmm. And I think um, something that I feel like, you know, you don't hear often enough people speak about. And I'm glad that now it's becoming even more of a thing. You yeah. know, there's so many different, you know, male-led podcasts I hear about, you know, male and female-led podcasts that are speaking directly towards therapy and black people going to therapy and why that is so and what purpose you can use and why it's, you know, purposeful. Um, I, I personally, you know, have, you know, started, you know, kind of going to therapy as well. And it's been such a treat in my life. I guess um, I would love to know, you know, in terms of when we're speaking towards purpose, I think, you know, there's so many steps and so many ways you can kind of, you know, find it and get to it. Speaking to the magazine, I think, you know, I've heard several different, you know, things about the purpose of the magazine and all these different things. I would love to know for you two, what, I guess, personal attachments do you feel like you've grown to the magazine in its completion? Or have you even noticed those attachments? Other than obvious being, you know, you've signed up for this, but is there anything past those kind of first layer attachments? Like you really want this to succeed for this reason or whatever and what have you. Okay, I can start. Um, I just feel like it's so necessary. Just sort of like what we were talking about before. It's mm. just something that's not being done right now and I feel like just so many people can benefit from it Um, so many people who are looking for that representation of themselves they'll be able to find it there and then also be able to take inspiration of it um, from it you know they might want to start their own projects like whether it's a zine or anything like that Mm -hmm. I feel like it's going to be very inspirational to uh, young black artists and writers um, and just people who want to get involved in creative things and maybe people who don't have the opportunity to go to like a fine art school or something they can have that and be able to be like okay well this is how i can structure an art project or something like that yeah yeah i'm trying to find a a quote Mm -hmm. um that i read recently Mm -hmm. um about the magazine actually it was kind of our first informal review really you saw that i sent it to the Mm -hmm. to the group Mm -hmm. um to the fam um let me see if i can find it do you think Um, do you think that um for um in terms of your role being about distribution and things like that, how have how has it been you have you had to, I guess, kind of pitch the idea? I guess what are your key points in terms of like pitching what this is to gain those partnerships with those different parties? Yeah, we usually just try to reinforce the the mission statement. Like yeah. we're expanding the narrative of black life and mm-hmm. anyone who is, you know, aligned with that or anyone who has an interest in it or who wants to support it sort of is just like they connect with us that way. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. What, I guess, do you believe in your own, how do you believe that this is going to affect those who read it? Especially people who align, who who are just like you. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine if you were being, like, this was, I said, this was already a thing. You had no connection to it at all. What, I guess, what feeling do you believe you would feel from it? Because you know so much already, yeah. you know? I feel like people are just going to be able to see themselves reflected in the work mm-hmm. um, and the the different articles that we have and the different art features that we have. They're going to be able to say, this is more 
relevant and this reflects me more than anything else I have seen previously yeah. especially if they're you know like I said young creative black people um, and then also being able to uh, discover new things because we have a lot of international artists work yeah, in the magazine lot. right yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so just being able to discover new things and be able to get outside of like um, sort of like a westernized uh, like art practice just I love being it. able to like connect to different yeah areas of the world I love that I feel like somebody told me the amount of artists that were like yeah, least, the number we've been throwing around is seventy-five. So that's probably what they what they said. Yeah, um, it's closer to eighty now, just because there were a couple last-minute changes and oh, updates that were made, and um, and that's just the creatives who are a part of it. Yes, who, who are uh, in it, I should say. When you factor in the think tank, we brought together. Actually, we're going to put you on the think tank for issue two. Okay. Um, but when you think about the think tank, people who came together to share ideas, mm-hmm. um, you know, because we want to be as inclusive as possible yeah. in terms of subject matter and thematics and stuff. When you think about the curators, the editors, you know, um, the distribution team, like it suddenly it, it expands to about a hundred people who have been mm-hmm. involved in this process. So damn, did you um, did you find that quote? I did. Yeah. So uh, kind of building off of what Kiani's been saying, I think. Um, I mean, honestly, for me, I think Gumbo Magazine is maybe the thing that I've done in terms of get like an individual product or th- like concentrated energy yeah. uh, that I'm proudest of yeah. in my life. Um, not necessarily like, you know, commu- like I'm, I'm obviously very, very proud of Gumbo as a community. And yeah. Other things, maybe, you know, maybe things I've written at some point or something like that. But I don't think I've ever felt the deep sense of pride that I get from this magazine and this mm. publication. And I think it's because of that community piece. I think yeah. it's because of seeing all of these different artists come together in a creative way um, to create space for themselves. Yeah. Um, and being able to curate a space that exists like that, where people can plug in and just express freely, is mm-hmm. is beautiful to me. And I think mm-hmm. that's it speaks to the, the exact power we hold as black people specifically. Mm-hmm. We are, we are, the cultural influencers of the world. Mm-hmm. Like the music we create, the dances we create, the fashion we you know we inspire, yep. the trends we inspire. We inspire it all from a social and cultural level, and a lot from other levels as mm-hmm. well, professional and whatever else. And so when I think about that, um, there's so much power we hold, and uh, that's possible within us and within our community that we haven't fully expressed yet. And yeah. I think part of it is that so many of us are seeking um, permission and or seeking validation from yeah. folks outside of our own community. Yeah. Um, when, and I think part of what's beautiful about Gumbo is that we've, we've, we finally said like, we're not, you can, you can be an ally. You can, you know, you're welcome here. Yeah. Um, but you're not always welcome to speak here. You know, sometimes you got to listen. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we're damn sure not asking you for permission. Yeah. Like, what we're doing is for us. Yeah. And we know we're, we're worthy of it. We know we're capable of creating something as beautiful as anything else you've seen. Exactly. Um, and, and we're worthy of that space. And so mm-hmm. we're going to do this because we need it for ourselves, for our healing, for our collective mm-hmm. and communal growth, all of that. And 
uh, one of our copy editors, actually, she's the only person, myself and Asia and Kiani and Courtney, you know, all of these people who have been part of the magazine process included, who's actually read the whole book from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. um, I've read all the contents within it, but I haven't sat down and read it from beginning to end yet. Mm -hmm. you know? um, so I could, I could imagine how the narrative goes because we've have to, had to frame it and thread it. Yeah. But she's the only person to this point that's done that. Her name is Alyssa Smaldino. Shout out to her. And um, she essentially kind of gave us our first review, yeah. uh, which was somewhat accidental. We weren't really asking for it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but obviously she wanted to share her thoughts based Hell on what yeah. she was reading. And uh, I'll uh, you know, keep certain names and stuff out just because I, you know, hopefully it's okay that I share this. But um, she said, at the, you know, at the place that she works, we often ask if a pro-black world is possible. And if so, how do we model and create that world? Gumbo's inaugural magazine shows that a pro-black world is possible, oh. that in fact it's already here if we just orient ourselves to it, and that it's a more loving, nourishing world for everyone. Um, Damn. And what I love about that is, like it makes me really emotional to be honest. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would that's, that's heavy. <laughs> because first of all, it's, I mean, it's, it's exactly the affirmation you want after yes. like, full-time commitment for three months to build a magazine and three years of like mm -hmm. emotional energy and you're the most embedded it. right exactly you know like you're you're in it so it's you know you want it to be a success so getting that feedback is certainly helpful but the reason it makes me emotional is because it literally proves that again that power that we hold is there mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. there for the taking if we orient ourselves to it yeah and I think what we try our very hardest to do at gumbo and I think perhaps Gumbo Magazine is the most successful element of this so far, yeah. as well as maybe like Gumbo Fit as a fitness initiative, yeah. is to orient our worlds yeah. um, as a community to the brilliance that lives within it. Yeah. Um, and then to use that, to Kiani's point, as a tool for growth yeah. communally, as a tool for expression individually yeah. um, and culturally, as a tool for healing in some capacities both individually and collectively yeah. as a tool for education to also uh i mean again it's a, it's about expanding the narrative yeah. so how are we pushing the boundaries of what we understand as blackness yeah. because even within the black community we often frame blackness through a white gaze and through yes. a white lens yes people tell us that blackness is this and that and this and that and if you don't speak this way you're an oreo yeah if you don't do this you know you're you know if you speak this way you're you know too articulate or yeah. you're too hood or you're too whatever yeah when in fact all of these things are part of what it means to be black yeah um if we orient ourselves to it yeah and so our entire the i think the magazine for me is the single greatest manifestation of what our ethos is yeah which is trying to build a world that orients itself to the brilliance the sacredness the beauty the worthiness of blackness yeah without seeking permission uh, you know, without um, trying to get affirmation from yeah. other powers that be, recognizing yeah. that we hold enough power within ourselves and within mm. our community to build that world for ourselves. Yeah. And uh, I think we're doing that. And uh, and I think that's hopefully what's resonating with people. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, doing it doesn't always affirm that it's working. And I feel like with Gumbo Magazine, Obviously, it's going to be coming out very shortly, so we'll we'll see how everybody else responds. But yeah. I feel like we finally created something beyond the community itself. Yes. Um, 
that is going to prove what we're talking about and what we're setting out to do in yes. creating this kind of this all black world. Uh, I love the way that you guys are approaching this with it being so art, you know, artistically forward. Mm -hmm. um, it being um, like the theme being, you know, truly just centered around blackness and the black aesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, I think about um, a review that I heard of. Um, it was a show that was on Netflix, um, sketch show, um, Astronomy Club. I'm not sure if you guys seen it, but mm -hmm. the one of the in most interesting reviews or kind of, you know, takes on it was that this is needed, but it feels like a reaction to reaction to whiteness. Mm. And it's kind of like, and I don't know, it was interesting because I was like, damn, that's a really interesting way, not only to describe this, but describe a lot of works. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when the emergence of, um, of art kind of capturing, you know, the now in terms of, you know, police brutality and these different things started to kind of come out. It was interesting to me how like so many different studios and so many different conglomerates kind of attached themselves to these stories and greenlit these stories. It was like, oh, now we got more black stuff to talk about because yeah, this is this is spicy, you know. But it the fact that it still included, you know, whiteness mm -hmm. because that was that was the the um, kind of the the point the crossroad that was so tumultuous and drama filled that oh yeah, this is juicy. We need to continuously talk about this. And I think at first we all, I think most people just accepted it because it's like, yeah, we're getting more movies. Yeah, we need to talk about this because y'all are, you know, whatever, whatever. But it, when you realize we do a lot of talking at them, mm -hmm. it's like, why do we talk to them that much? Mm -hmm. we, don't, we barely even use this type of passion into each other, mm -hmm. into ourselves. And I think a world where we don't have to consider, don't have to keep in mind, don't have to create with, and create with them in mind, um, I think, I don't know, it's, it's so much power within that because we're the only group who hasn't exercised that to the fullest, mm -hmm. where that isn't a part of our psyche, to, um, at least, I won't even say it's not a part of our psyche naturally. I think it's a part of our, I think it's something that's indoctrinated out of us in a way. Because I think um, when you look at children and look at certain people, it seems like they already have this knack of, you know, being pro-black, being about where they are and who who they're around. But I think there's this sense of like, oh, okay, but you can't go to this black school though, you know, because that's not gonna get you prepared for the, you know, for the world. You can't do that because that's you know, that's not gonna get you right. Your name is this, so you might wanna, you know, make sure you present yourself in a certain type of way. And so I love that what you guys are doing isn't a reaction to uh whiteness. Mm -hmm. It's truly a, if anything, a I don't know. I don't even think solution is the best word, but more so a step towards where uh, you believe we all could be. Um, I would love to know, Kiani, from you, from I believe that, you know, we see all the time, we hear the quotable of, you know, black women being the most, you know, disrespected and overlooked, overshadowed. In terms of what you've seen so far, how the level of representation for, for black women in this magazine that has been curated, how do you really feel about that? You know, no pressure. You can you can lie if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you mean like in terms of the people who are in the magazine or Yeah. Well like do you believe it's been uh, it's been truly a platform that equally gives that uh gives that out to because I think 
oddly enough and sadly enough, socially, when we think about blackness, usually it's from, you know, we think about black men. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, so everything kind of drives that way because we, you know, we live in a patriarchal society. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, okay, yeah, we got to protect black men. We got to do this for black men. We got to make sure black men are good because that's how we get to the promised land type of thing. But um, never really pretty much been a believer of that. So I want to know, how do you feel based off what you've seen thus far about the representation of the women within it? Is it just, do you believe it's, it's diverse as you believe it can be? All those different things. Yeah, I mean, I haven't felt any sort of lack of representation uh, within the Gumbo community or the magazine. I love um, it. It was a test. Yeah, like, <laughs> like Matthew said, the, everything was founded by him and Courtney, um, who was a black woman as well, and mm-hmm. the entire team is very, like, um, I don't want to say 50-50 because it's not that, you know, binary, but yeah. I think everyone is well represented. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, and it's also just interesting because, like, I don't think about things that way necessarily. I love that, you know, too. At, coming from the perspective of a black woman, like, I know about that, like, structurally and historically, but, like, whenever I look into things, I'm not looking at them like, oh, well, this is made by a black man, so it's going to be patriarchal. It's just, yeah. like, if I see something like that, then I'm aware of it, but yeah. I don't go into things looking for that, if that makes sense. I like that. And I think um, that speaks to a lot of, you know, because I think all of you kind of are similar to that, though. I think when challenged on is this, you know, as you said, with the think tank and things like that, we have to bring people's mind there. Like, we have to examine and look at it that way. Mm-hmm. But I love that that's kind of the mold because that's what it feels like the energy is in general in terms of how you guys are with each other, mm-hmm. in terms of how you approach all of the different events that you have. It's very welcoming. It's very warm. And I think in terms of the magazine, I can only imagine it to have that same essence to still be very warm and still very welcoming and um, for you to find your own personal attachments to it for whatever reasons, um, especially the fact that you have, you know, not only, you know, images and beautiful images, but you have these, you know, I'm assuming like narratives and poems and just literature that I believe, you know, is truly needed as well. Cause yeah. I think, you know, visually seeing things always kind of, you know, impacts us, but I believe we are, we're black intellectualism is slept on a lot. You know, in terms of what really captures us, because we are multidimensional. We like to, you know, to hear the things, to, you know, to, to cheer out and, and be inspired by certain words and quotables and just be taking certain things in for our hearts to be kind of spoken out and also seen. I love that you said that because I think that is part of, and I'm sure it sounds like other folks mm-hmm. um, spoke about it, but... I think that is part of what makes Gumbo Magazine pretty unique. Yeah. I think people are going to be somewhat surprised. Yeah. Maybe in a way that is actually disappointing to them at first until they really dive down and sit with it. Yeah. Um, by what they see in the magazine. And I say that because it's it's a very untraditional magazine, yeah. at least from an editorial perspective. So it has, because it has a lot of photo essays, because it has beautiful photography and on the cover, a lot of art, it feels very editorial. It feels like you're going to get a lot of interesting news stories and stuff like that. And yeah. it's, um, you know, maybe some, I don't know, some interesting features that talk about, yeah. you know, best ways to do this or that. Yeah. Um, but it's very much not that. You yeah. know, it's very evergreen in the sense that everything in there is a reflection on something that is going to be relevant in 20 years, to Kenny's yeah. point, you know. Yeah. Um, and it, nothing is really time-stamped in that way. Obviously, we're talking about what informs us today. Okay. Um, but we're talking about it in a way that is relevant to anybody and everybody, whether you're black or not, too. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, but from our perspective unapologetically. Yeah. And so in that way, it's actually kind of a combination. The way we've been framing it is a combination between the editorial magazines you'd see on like a newsstand somewhere in a you know Walgreens or whatever, mm-hmm. or uh, you know at a bodega or you know wherever you pick up your magazine, mm-hmm. um, and uh, like a literary journal, which yeah. a lot of a lot of people don't have experience with. But yeah. being from the you know the publishing writing world is something I've read a lot. They're not sexy at all. Like they don't. Yeah. <laughs> most of them aren't anyway. Like a lot of them don't feature any art. Yeah. They feature no images. It's about the words. It's, yeah. it's short stories. It's yeah. anthologies of poems. It's, uh, you know, it's um, essays and stuff like that. Creative nonfiction. So there's, there's a lot of that where people are using their their intellectualism, their writing to uh, to share. And that's not to say that there's not intellectualism in other forms of art. Certainly there is. Certainly there is. But it's a combination of the two mixed kind of with like a almost like an art book, something you'd see in like a museum store, yeah. you know, something that assembles the art that's featured in their galleries into pages. Yeah. And so it's kind of a combination of those three things. And because of that, people are going to see less images than they would assume when they pick up and look through it. Mm-hmm. You know, people are going to see, um, people are probably going to be reading a lot more than they expected to. People are going to be having kind of narrative um, hopefully like epiphanies and reflections and challenges the same way they would in like a novel yeah. because there's short stories in there there's re- essays in there that were coming from perspectives of you know first generation um, you know uh, kids of immigrants were coming mm. from the perspective of uh, you know queer women fighting for indigenous rights in, mm. in you know in their in their country were coming from um, you know very Afrocentrist perspectives were yeah. coming from very uh, a black American, we have, we're a flagless nation perspective because of the, the trials we've dealt with in the, in the United States. Like yeah. there's so many different angles and all of them form kind of a comprehensive narrative. Yeah. But I think people are going to be hopefully surprised and hopefully eventually refreshed Hell by yeah. that different approach. I, you, you inspire me to think about two things and that's, it's like you guys have created this kind of genre bending piece. Yeah. yeah. You know? And then I like you kept talking, and I just sat there and thought about it. Like, damn, Gumbo Magazine is exactly that. It's Gumbo. Mm-hmm. It's not just oh, one. Th- <laughs> true. I never really thought about that. That's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> that's what. I, that's why I had to write it down so I wouldn't forget. Because it, you're talking about things that are not the same, mm-hmm. that do not have to go into the same dish, yeah. but just so happens they do, and they are from taste different. Beautiful. Yeah, and they taste beautiful. They come from different worlds. Mm-hmm. They fill you up. Um, provide nourishment and um, and you just get excited because mm-hmm. like most of the time I don't I don't really hear too many people you know bring up the the actual dish gumbo and then not be too uh, be received <laughs> like damn why are we making gumbo like I'm good <laughs> or just thinking about how you know when you go to New Orleans and how you know no one really gets tired of it right no matter who you are if you're a native you never get tired of it right. it's a part of you and I think um, that is something to really truly. Um, be proud of because I think it takes that collective energy to even be able to do that type of work to be able to make something that still flows and becomes its own thing and um, and truly it's a unique piece that uh, that you are literally um, intending to duplicate which makes it even more impactful because it's it's easy I think it's real easy for um, you hear a lot of you know people within like the music industry talk about how like you have your whole life to come out with your first, you know, first debut album. Mm-hmm. And that sophomore one is always usually one where it's like you might get a slump or now you can, you don't have as much time as to be as creative as you've been. 
so I think it's so it's so dope to do this for them to for that to be the kind of you know possibly the gateway that a lot of people come in to understand who you guys are and all the other things that you offer being the actual events and all these other things and the things that you highlight and then discovering gumbo fit and being like oh damn this hold up this is oh right. and I think um but f- I think this is the most the best gateway to kind of introduce yourself past the uh the local Chicago community yeah I mean I think the way I see it is if people ask us what gumbo is mm-hmm. Handing them the magazine would be the perfect description of everything we do and everything we are. Yeah. And to speak just really briefly on uh, the question Kiani answered about representation, um, one thing I would say is that, you know, I mean, it's ultimately not for me or, you know, um, anyone else who is not the identity we happen to be speaking about yeah. to frame whether or not that community feels represented, right? Exactly. Um, and so I hope certainly they do. We've worked hard at that. We've been intentional, but well-intentioned people sometimes cause the greatest harm. So we'll Truly. see. You know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but what I will say is that the way we've framed the entire thing thematically is Gumbo Magazine issue one is titled Black. Yeah. So for us, what that meant was okay. If our entire mission is to expand the narrative of Black life, we view Gumbo Magazine as the expression of of that ode. This is this is a poem to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're calling this, um, you know, essentially a love letter to black life, yeah. an ode to black life. Mm-hmm. And for us, that boils down to, at least for me, like I want, I hope that black people, regardless of their identity, see themselves and see the beauty in them that, that I see and that mm-hmm. we see. Yeah. You know, we hope that they are able to see for themselves and appreciate for themselves yeah. the beauty that uh, that we find uh, so poignant that we build an entire infrastructure and network around yeah. to try to create space for. Yeah. And and that ode, I think, has has um, given us the I hope the patience and also the humility to just be able to bring in the right people to tell the right stories and to allow them to tell them the way that they want them to be told, mm. you know, and there've been, there've been certainly moments where we've been humbled by that and, you know, where, uh, we got to make sure that we're checking ourselves and let's, let's make sure, cause we are curating this whole thing too, right? So mm-hmm. let's make sure we're not silencing voices as we're doing so or silencing mm-hmm. what their natural instinct is, you yeah. know, but, um, but I'm, I'm really excited to see what the reception is in terms of the way that we've approached it, because this literally is our love letter to our broader community. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we've kind of let the community just do what, to us, makes the community beautiful. Yeah. And um, I think to stay malleable is the best thing, too. Yeah, yeah. I think we um, often create things that we expect to never adjust. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been something that's been um, kind of also given to us too mm-hmm. like you know when you think about in the, being in this country there's you know statutes and laws and constitutions and bylaws and legislations that are supposed to somewhat be great for somewhat uh, I guess for perpetuity like what, these are what they are and they're going to always be relevant and always make sense and I love that you guys are seem very open to being very malleable mm-hmm. and really speaking to whatever it is that the community needs and, mm-hmm. and and already being able to state that, you know, we still can make a mistake. Because I think that's something that we have to be gentle, more gentle about with each yeah. other. Yeah. Very often I've, like, 
you know, check my mom on stuff, being like, man, I can't believe niggas did this, this, mm-hmm. that, and did this, that, and the third. And I'm like, ma, like, have you ever thought about the why, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's an impactful approach and a more loving approach because if we are throwing each other away, people are already throwing us away. But if we join into that, we we can't grow. We can't last. Right. And it won't. we won't ever get to the... Uh, the heights that we actually deserve to be on because we are living at, you know, only half potential. Um, I do, I do think, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great about this and I can't wait to read this. I do want to know in my last, I think this would be my last question mm-hmm. first with to you, Kiani. I believe that gumbo is a remedy to a lot of different things. I would love to know in the time that you spent what do you believe gumbo is somewhat um, showing to be a remedy for in the just in the either just the larger you know black community? If you've seen things locally with the efforts that you guys have done um, within the community, either socially or in the community community based thing, what do you believe gumbo has shown you to be the remedy for? Um, huh? I'm not sure. I feel like it. It's just a, like a method of healing for so many different things. There's mm. so many different issues that our community does have, or even just not even issues, because it doesn't always have to be solving something. Like, black art can just be black art. It can yeah. just be a space that needs to be filled, um, yeah. something that somebody can aspire towards, or just something to enjoy. It could also be that. Like, it does so many things beyond that, but also, um, yeah, it just it just sort of is what it is. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It does. Okay. I think um, we have to uh, appreciate the the presence of things. Right. Because if they weren't there, then we we would long for them and not even know what they are. Exactly. So I think to have a thing, to be able to describe a thing, to have the now the vocabulary and the uh, the mat- our imagination is now realized. Yes. Um, because things, because dreams and things can stay murky. I think they can stay just real glossy eyed, and especially if no one ever does anything. It's like, damn, I wonder what this looks like. I wonder what this, you know, could be. If no one ever pulls the trigger to even try to do it, then how the hell could we ever know what the hell it looks like? So I think, you know, to be in a place now where we're talking about, you know, where print journalism is in an interesting place, um, I think it's uh, daring, but also uh, necessary to do something where it's like, we believe in our people. We believe that this is going to touch them in different ways. And it truly can be something that's an uh, um, ever-growing thing. If you don't, you're really not much of a reader, but you're a visual visual person. You purchase this. You get it for the pictures, you say. But then for some reason, you kind of captured by a story. And now you want to, damn, let me go and read back some of this stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, it could, be, it could be the gateway to a lot of different things. And especially just being... Inspired to do anything is always a good message. It's always a good thing. So presence and that being it is always necessary, I believe. Yeah. Same same question to you. What do you believe Gumbo to be the remedy for? Um, and you can frame that in whatever way you feel. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I don't know if I'd be audacious enough yet to say that we're a remedy for anything. Mm-hmm. Just because I don't know if I feel confident enough in who we are yet yeah. to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we certainly like to be, yeah. um, and we're certainly aspiring to be, but I think we have a long ways before we can 
specifically because for me, I feel like those things need to be structural as much as possible. Yes. Um, they can be communal, they can be emotional and all of that, but if we're not implementing change in a tangible way through systems that mm-hmm. actually force us to exist, mm-hmm. um, then then I don't feel like we're doing enough. And so yeah. I, I think we have more to go there. But what I would say is um, I would like to feel like we could be the remedy for, or at least want to be the remedy for, some of the things I've, I've kind of mentioned, like, like permission and compromise. Like when I think of Gumbo Fit, I think of just black people gathering. Yesterday as we were having a meeting yeah. on, you know, St. Jones College Prep track uh, in the South Loop. Yeah. You know, a dozen black folks were meeting to challenge each other, work on speed and momentum and, um, you know, sustained running efforts and pushing each other on the track. You know, and yeah. there were three captains that we're working with. Um, shout out to Picasso and Cecily and Mike um, who were kind of leading that effort, right? And when I think about the people that have been showing up to those spaces, including those three captains, a lot of them have been involved in different communities at different times. Um, And I think they have either had to swallow a part of themselves in order to show up in that space and Mm. feel fully included, or they've had to compromise on something, right, in terms of how they present themselves, in terms of, or if they're fully authentically themselves, uh, what's the difference between them being tolerated yeah. or even welcomed, mm-hmm. even embraced, versus celebrated Damn. in that space, right? And uh, we've had people come and, like, uh, just to use a running example, we've had people come and run with us and be like, I've never gotten that much, like, positive affirmation. And it's like, that's because we get you. Like, mm-hmm. we are you. Yeah. You know, we want to see you succeed. It's like, you want to see us succeed. This yeah. is about us. This is about you and, and me individually, about us collectively, about us communally. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And, mm-hmm. and I think hopefully um, that energy culminates itself in all the different facets of what we're building, yeah. uh, or at least can. That's what we're working towards. We want to work towards a space where people can gather at Gumbo, mm-hmm. through whether it's through any of our contents, yeah. like the magazine or other things that we're working on, or through one of our community spaces, like our literary club, Gumbo Lit, like our fitness initiative, Gumbo Great Fit, like, <laughs> you know, Great name. like any of our events, like just come turn up a, you know, Blackout Brunch, like, yeah. um, which we partnered with, with that group. So like any of those things or our services, you yeah. know, come get paid for the work that you do as a graphic designer. Yeah. You know, be hired by other black people to do services for a black owned business. Like yeah. That's that's just a beautiful cycle right there. So Hell yeah. Regardless of where on in kind of the spectrum of the content, community and services at work that we do mm-hmm. as a media engine. Um, personally, and I think I, I can speak for the team when I say this, we want people to be able to show up um, and not have to ask for permission mm-hmm. and not have to compromise on any part of themselves in yeah. the way that they may have in other places where they've worked, where they've mm-hmm. engaged, where they've, you know, had to dim their light in any way. Mm. Uh, even if that just means speaking in code for the whole day and then, you know, driving back home and being able to speak the way that they want to talk. Like yeah. that's that's a that's a level of freedom that everybody deserves in every space they occupy. I agree. Know, without hanging their coat up when they come in. Like just, you know, do whatever you want to do. This is you. This yeah. is you you dictate how this space, you know, operates. Like yeah. we'll set some guidelines to make sure no one's disrespected. We'll make set some guidelines to make sure everybody's comfortable, everybody's welcome. You know that this is an inclusionary, radically inclusionary space. But beyond that, like be you. you yeah. Know? Um, and I don't think we get enough 
space to do that without representing all of black people and all of blackness. Yes. Um, and so I think being able to be our authentic, flawed selves in every space we occupy is, is what is what you know radical inclusion looks like. And I think that's what we're trying to build. Yeah. And I think I'm glad you said flaws, too, mm-hmm. because I think that's um, something that I had, I had. I had a previous episode speaking to redefining failing, failing mm-hmm. um, just because I think it's something that we have attached um, so many negative connotations and no positives, mm-hmm. barely, you know. Um, but I think, you know, you see in so many different inspirational stories and the life journeys of so many people who you admire that nine times out of ten, you know, they, they did not come out the gate winning. They did not come out the gate on top. They did not just, they didn't just swing and, and hit it. Um, failure is a part of the process. And I think in our own personal development, to fall or to fall short is something that we have to uh, reframe and um, and truly accept that I've done, I've, you know, I, I fell short before, you fell short before, but like, you know, let's really put things together so we can make sure that those things don't happen again and we're, and we're even more prepared for whatever new obstacle may come. Um, in conclusion, I want to thank you both for giving me your time. I believe that, you know, truly, truly what you guys do has um, truly inspired me in a lot of ways, has made me know that there's not only a, a community of welcoming individuals who want the best for you for whatever it is that you do, but um, truly want to engage. Mm-hmm. And I think um, feeling that way, ironically, at, a, at an event called For the Love <laughs> was something that I think uh, will forever touch me. And I think I'll always keep that with me because I think coming Chicago can be a very cruel, cold place, um, figuratively and <laughs> literally. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, to have the energy and a conglomerate of you know, in a, a community that they're uh, welcoming you into, um, and then letting you know that you're not alone, know let you know that you are talented, you can do things, and also expose you to things that you probably never knew, people that you never knew, mm-hmm. um, experiences that you never knew. And I think um, to avail that to anybody with black skin is something that is uh, is necessary. And I'm so glad to, even in even in a small way, be able to capture that story and be able to be, you know, at least a uh, a griot of sorts to tell the story of something that I know will impact a lot of people. Yeah, I really appreciate y'all. Appreciate you. Um, you. Yes, yes. But I want before I let y'all go, I want y'all to tell the people how to can you know contribute, but also follow and get all the know about Gumbo. For sure. Um, I mean, the easiest and best place to find us is just GumboMedia.com. GumboMedia.com. Uh, it's that simple. Um, you can also find us at Gumbo Media on Instagram, mm-hmm. Gumbo, Gumbo underscore media on Twitter. But again, if you go to dot .com, you'll see all of those links there mm-hmm. easy for you. Um, one of the best ways to engage right now is through various events and programs we've got going on, mm-hmm. uh, which are also found on you know on the website, but yep. then also the magazine. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's for sale on the website. But we're also going to do a bunch of pop ups um, and release parties, um, and so you know just by following our platforms, you'll get access to all of those things. You know, we want those to be free, accessible, rolling spaces where you can come through and and just uh, you know and and engage, connect. You know, uh, hopefully purchase a copy and yeah. support in some way and 
um, you know, maybe give one out as a gift or whatever you want to do, but just contribute to this pot that we're, you know, that we're stewing together um, oh, yeah. slowly and patiently and, you know, and taking our time with. So, um, yeah, we just want to be intentional with folks. So wherever folks want to engage, we're welcome to engage. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I love it. Would you would you like for anyone to follow you as well, personally? Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely. Um, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Matthew R. Manning. Um, I don't post much, but when I do, it's it's usually sharing my writing, uh, okay. my reflections, which are coming from all sorts of different places. Oh, yeah? So that's my personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about yeah. you, Keanu? Uh, my personal is uh, at dot, wait, no. Zami.mami on Instagram. Hey. Uh, it's, an Audrey, it's an Audrey Lord reference. Uh, if you know, you know. Um, I also don't post that much, but when I do, it's about my photographic work. I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, I truly, I, I don't even have to ask. I know you guys definitely enjoyed this uh, this series, another, another episode within this series. I want you all to know, if you don't know already, that you can listen to the Simply King podcast everywhere podcasts are available from from uh, Spotify to Apple Podcasts to Google Play, so on and so forth. Make sure that you follow um, follow me everywhere. My personal page at Kings underscore memoirs. Follow the IG page at Simply King Pod. Um, find me on Facebook. Find me on Twitter. Um, interact and definitely talk back. Uh, would love five stars and a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts and just love to share. Um, you can just let me know that you enjoyed it and what you think, and I'll surely enough let you know that I appreciate it. Uh, this is the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Human. I'm Rodney Perry, and this is Simply King. Peace. Same. I got my granddaddy's soul. I'm at war that's on my mind.